For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build another and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our second reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Two this morning, the women who had come from Galilee saw how Jesus' body was laid in the tomb. First day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told, told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb Stopping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. and downright counterintuitive. We expect Jesus' death to be final, but it's not. There's an incongruence between what we expect and what we experience, leaving us perplexed and confused. It's not the first time in my life that I've been perplexed. I remember celebrating Dr. Seuss's birthday in grade school and eating green eggs and ham. Scrambled eggs weren't supposed to be green. They were supposed to be yellow. And I can remember back in Sunday school hearing the story of Jesus 
walking on water for the first time, there are laws of physics that say that's not possible. Buoyancy, gravity, density, all of those things. A man is not supposed to be able to walk on water. They're supposed to sink. And maybe this morning you've already glanced back into your bulletin to see whose name is listed by the message for today. And you are confused because my name is not there. Pastor Holly's name is in the bulletin. She's supposed to be preaching. Jamie, you're not supposed to be preaching. It was supposed to be Holly. Maybe you're perplexed by the scripture reading for today. In Luke's gospel, we hear of women arriving at the tomb of Jesus where they had last seen his lifeless body laid. And the tomb, it wasn't supposed to be empty. Jesus was supposed to be in it. The women had a plan and an expectation as they traveled to the tomb that first Easter morning. Love brought the women back to the tomb in the first place. They had been with Jesus through it all. From birth through childhood to his life and his ministry, all the way to his crucifixion, to his last breaths, and to his burial in the tomb. The women were there. Luke names some of them, Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and other unnamed women were there that early morning. These women traveled back to the tomb to extend their love, to put spices on Jesus' body as a post-mortem anointing. It was an act of care, an act of deep compassion, an act of pure love. And they were grieving, but no matter how much they were grieving, it wasn't going to interfere with them tending respectfully, lovingly, and all in to Jesus' body. But when the women arrived, expecting to anoint Jesus' lifeless body, they encounter the unexpected. The stone was rolled away from the tomb, and the tomb was empty. I imagine that they took a moment to rub their eyes and to look again, thinking that all of their tears through that weekend and the tiredness from mourning Jesus' death had made their vision foggy. But no, their vision was clear. The tomb was empty. 
Their confusion quickly turns to fear as the women are greeted by two divine messengers in dazzling clothes. These messengers said to the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. These messengers reminded the women of their identity as followers, apostles of Jesus. And the women, having remembered those teachings of Jesus that they were present for, they go and proclaim that message to the other apostles that the tomb is empty. Those apostles who heard their testimony were in disbelief. They regarded the news as nonsense, delusion, as though the women had zero credibility. The women in Luke's gospel are not messengers commanded to go and tell the disciples of Jesus' resurrection. They are the disciples. They have plenty of credibility. They are the witnesses, witnesses who discover the empty tomb, witnesses who receive the word from two divine messengers, witnesses who remember the words of Jesus for themselves. And as witnesses, they share with others what this is, that this is their truth and that they're sticking to it. The example of the women at the tomb is not unlike examples of women we might think of today. We hear of other women in the world testifying, speaking their truths under perplexing circumstances. Both they're testifying to people willing to listen and to people who call their truths idle tales. In a global context right now, women in Sudan have been protesting against their government leader and the oppressive systems that are in place there. Fearing for their own safety, women have been leading a revolution, witnessing to their own experiences and testifying against the laws that control their behavior, their dress, their access to education. In light of gender inequality, they've been advocating for a more just system, not only for their fellow females, but for their country as a whole. And in our American context, Beyonce speaks her truth in a recent Netflix documentary homecoming, advocating for the preservation of black American culture 
and tradition. In the face of present-day racism, she testifies to the importance of supporting historically black colleges and universities. And in light of the societal norm to devalue black female bodies, Beyonce witnesses to the celebration of the beauty and the strength of black female bodies. She models the way that cultural traditions can be shared and inspired from one generation to the next. Easter points us to the example of women who have been perplexed and terrified, women who are in the midst of deep grief, and women who are facing immense adversity. And yet, these women remember their truth and speak it to others, shout it to others, sing it to others, dance it to others. They share it with others, empowering others to do the same. Like women of the past and like women of the present, we too are witnesses. In the midst of perplexing times, we all are disciples. Disciples called to echo the women who proclaim the good news. Disciples called to emulate the women who live out the good news. In our words and our deeds, we testify that God's love is for all people. We witness to the work of justice in our own communities, the feeding of the hungry, the clothing of the naked, the housing of the homeless. We shout the worth of our neighbors and extend welcome to the stranger. We sing of the resurrection hope in our midst and commit to living more fully as Easter people. So in the face of death, we bear life. In the face of fear, we bear hope. In the face of conflict, we bear peace. In the face of hate, we bear love. Why? Because hope lives. Because love wins. Because the tomb is empty. Because Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Amen.